at so many points of my life and in lives of my patients, people that I've talked to, um, I I've, I've heard myself say, and I've heard other people say, oh, well, routines or, or minimalism or whatever it might be reducing decision-making that sounds rigid. That sounds sure. like there's no room for spontaneity and you know, it, it shouldn't be that hard. I should just be able to make the right decision for myself without having to have a schedule or sure. a routine yeah. in place. And, um, I'm not sure I've ever actually found that when someone does implement a routine or a structure that that's actually how it feels. It mm. usually ends up feeling freeing because that's right. the decisions, you know, the decisions making isn't there yet. And, and if you, if you set up routines in ways that are intentional and that means something to you, it also by default means that you are going to be doing something that matters to you. listening to the Routine Project Podcast, where I, your host, Justin Crawford, am getting into the minds of today's leading entrepreneurs, thought leaders, celebrities, and so many more with one mission in mind, understanding their routines so we can get into building the ones that make the most sense for us. This is the one podcast that's hyper-focused on routines and routines only. What's cool is I feel like we're learning with the guests of the show because sometimes they come on here and they don't even know that they have these routines. I'm excited you're here to learn something new, so thank you for clicking play wherever you're tuning in. Now here's today's episode. You ready? I'm ready. My friends, uh, we're back on the Routine Project podcast, and we can't thank you enough for clicking play wherever you're listening. I'm not sure how you found us and why you came to the podcast, but I'm sure you saw doctor in the title from Miss Dr. Allison Grubsky. She's a clinical psychologist, and she's head of behavior change at Weight Watchers. And when I was first talking to her publicist, Melanie, a good friend of mine, I started thinking about what we can do in this conversation for the next hour or so to benefit anybody who's tuning in uh, for your personal or professional life as it pertains to I mean, psychology, if you think about it, but more importantly, Dr. Grupski, I'm, and I asked you already, but please give our listeners an idea as to what your experiences look like. You have such a, a, a broad scope, and I'm sure it's been such an incredible journey for you, especially as it pertains to your mental health, but uh, all the work you've been up to uh, leading up to now the most recent five years of working with Weight Watchers. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. What a uh, treat for me to be here, Justin. So thanks so much. As you said, I'm a clinical health psychologist. Uh, it is funny to look back and think about what that means today compared to what it meant when I was going through training or, you know, really teaching students or seeing patients for very many years. Mm. I've always specialized in and been very interested in eating behaviors and the way that we think about food, uh, the way we think about our bodies, the way we think about exercise. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that just, you know, growing up, everybody has a relationship with food mm. and then no matter who you are, you grow up with family members who have diabetes or who are struggling with heart disease, or, you know, you're a teenage girl and you're looking at magazine covers and there's such this interesting relationship that we all have with food. And it's always been of a strong interest to me. So it's what I studied in graduate school, um, when I was getting my PhD and, mm. um, you know, for many years worked in weight management clinics, worked with patients who were having bariatric surgery, for example, sure. or coming in to have medication for weight loss and really focused on what are the behavioral and sort of psychological 
factors that impact the that particular journey. And now for the last five years have been taking that expertise and bringing it to Weight Watchers or WW and working really closely with people on our product team, our coaches, our designers mm. to make sure that we're using that knowledge to actually build a program that really works for people. Oh my gosh. I, I w- when I think of doing podcasts and for so long, it's been a lot of celebrities and athletes or whomever. And I just go, oh my gosh, I'm so glad as you say all of that, not just, I'm not just glad anybody who's listening, we're about to go into everything she just talked about. I have so many questions. I'm sure a lot of you do too, who are tuning in, but this idea with Weight Watchers, is funny again, and then you say, bringing your expertise to Weight Watchers. And I go, now you're bringing it to the routine project podcast. And we are very <laughs> grateful. Uh, you know what I mean? We're going to get free therapy, knowledge, expertise. It's just a perfect. <laughs> but I say all of that because there's so much to be said around our relationship with food, if we could start there. So, mm-hmm. and I'll give you a small example. And I never try to glow anything or I'm like, oh my God, like my personal experience. But uh, I feel like I have a responsibility as the show host to at least explain that even someone, so I'm shorter, 5'7", I'm a male, I have a specific, probably a specific metabolic history with my family where you overeat, or if you eat too much of this and that and the third, you're going to gain weight faster, as, as what I think I've learned. And if you're listening to, there's like a lot of genetics come into weight management anyway. And I say that because I feel like then I started looking at my behavior patterns with eating. And I was like, gosh, this is the perfect podcast to talk with Dr. Grubsky about this. And I want to ask you now, when it comes to weight management, how much of it have you found is genetics and ultimately someone just really not understanding their behavior in relationship with food? And then what have been some of the biggest things people can do to, I mean, have a positive relationship, number one, but then to come off of, you know, what they would be considering maybe overweight or eating too much? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, when it comes to weight, the the factors that impact it are really there. There's many, they're dynamic. They influence each other mm. kind of to your point. Some are biologically and genetically driven. Um, a lot are driven by our environment. So what are we, what foods are we surrounded by? That's changed quite a lot over the last 50 or so years. Mm. Our genetics haven't, but our environment has changed a lot. Our lifestyles have changed a lot. Um, so, and you know, we tend to think about our behavior as being the primary factor that impacts our weight. Um, but that's, that's really not the case. It certainly is a factor, uh, you know, how mm. we eat, what, how, how we move. Um, but there are many factors involved. And what's really interesting is, is that, you know, because we, we sort of have this story that it's all about what we do. Um, you know, we tend to get really frustrated with ourselves or we're hard on ourselves. Like I, I have to, you know, I have to really rein it in, or I have to, maybe I don't want it enough to, you know, lose weight or eat healthier. And that's that's a huge part of of what we get a chance to do sort of in the field of psychology uh, when it comes to eating patterns, eating behaviors is help people think a little bit differently about, um, about their weight, first of all, but also the way that their behaviors may or may not impact it. Mm. Um, so that we can hopefully open up some space, maybe get rid of some of the old ways of thinking around, you know, why things are the way they are when it comes to how we eat or our weight and, mm. and take some new approaches that, uh, hopefully are a little bit, you know, healthier, both mentally and physically. Mm. And that's the mind body connection too. And I can't stop thinking when you say that people change their behaviors, right? It's almost like 
brain first. And so if you could educate us for a moment to the connection and, and we've heard it all the time. It's like your, your brain runs your body and it def, mm-hmm. it's the thing that I, I don't know. Some folks meditate in the morning specifically for this reason too, just to level set with yourself mentally. Where have you, if you even have an example, maybe it's yourself, someone that you've worked with yeah. where you really saw the brain and maybe the gut too, but brain body connection in the sense that this controls, right? Your brain controls everything your body's up to by the day, week, month, year, and you can really make some powerful changes to your body. Yeah. Well, one of the simplest things is to just look at your own behavior to notice this stuff. So what you're speaking about right now, my mind goes to, you know, what's our energy level like? How much have we had or how much uh, sleep have we gotten? Um, And pay attention and even track how Mm. factors like that actually impact the way that you eat. If you start to track it and pay attention, you'll notice some patterns um, that are ultimately pretty predictable. Like we tend to eat more when we're sleepy. We tend to eat differently when we're frustrated or when we're stressed. Um, An example I often will will give to people um, that I I really like, because I think it's a really clean example is that, you know, we're all wired pretty differently. And so one, well, on one hand, you know, two people could be the exact same height, exact same weight and eat differently and maintain that behavior. So that's one thing we're wired differently sort of biologically. um, And that has to do with our metabolic rate to your earlier point um, and other things, but we're also wired differently, of course, psychologically. And that includes where our attention goes, the thoughts that go through our head, sort of how we experience emotions. And so I I often will use the example of, you know, imagine somebody who recently quit smoking and someone who's been a non-smoker their whole life, never smoked. So if, if I'm out walking with my friend who recently quit smoking and someone comes up to us and offers that person a cigarette, we are both going to say no. It is going to take no effort at all for me to say no, because I've never been a smoker. I don't have that history and sort of that, that brain experience, the, you know, synapses going together. I'm not fighting any urge or craving to say yes. She is going to, she's still going to say no, but it's going to take more energy. It's going to take more attention. And there's, there's parallels when it comes to eating and food as well. So some people, I'm sure you've, you, maybe you are one of them, or maybe you've heard of them. People that <laughs> forget to eat lunch or forget to eat dinner or their ice cream in the freezer gets freezer burned. Uh-huh. Who are those people? And then there's folks <laughs> that, you know, you bring in a, a, a carton of ice cream and it's gone within a day or, or, or sooner. Um, mm-hmm. So that speaks a lot to just where our brain is focused from an attention perspective. Mm-hmm. And some of that is learned and it's developed through patterns, you know, habits, routines, et cetera. Some of it is, is driven by our biology um, and mm. differences that we have there. And there's lots of other factors too. For and sure. I think that's really important to understand because it allows us to just see the complexity of, of it all. Mm. I have so many questions. I'm just like, this is why I can't prepare for interviews anymore. I'm like, Dr. Grupsy is going to say what she's going to say, and I'm going to follow up and we're all going to learn mm. together and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, everything you've said, I just think hits the nail on the head. Obviously you're the expert. So it has no choice, but to hit the nail on the head. I want to talk about sleep. And then I have a follow-up just a little bit about, uh, where you've seen folks not necessarily, um, fail to meet their weight goals, but in some sense, because they lose 
this idea of clarity, uh, which I think you're also speaking to when you're very clear on your specific goals and kind of what your lifestyle looks like, what you can do with them. I do want to talk about like that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sure. goals, but first on sleep, you brought up this, I, this fact really that when you get better sleep, you will probably be a, a, a much higher performing human day, right? That like your day is just more high performing. Mm-hmm. And, but then you also said, that you tend to eat more when you're sleepy. So Mm -hmm. true. And whether or not you're aware of it, anybody who's listening, it's just the fact of the matter. And the other day I was told seven to eight hours, honestly, eight, maybe eight and a half is just where you should be to get the amount of, and I'm still studying it, which is why I'm asking these questions about like, um, you know, you need a specific uh, amount of REM cycles and deep and, and all these things that go into it from like a cognitive brain perspective. Where have you found that sleep has really affected someone's food journey. Mm-hmm. So you've hit the nail on the head with the the number. It's, you know, in general, it's about seven to nine hours. There's mm. some variability from person to person. And some people will get nine hours and still not feel rested. Some people will get less and feel, you know, feel rested, but that's, that's, you know, you're right in the ballpark there. Um, and, you know, probably what matters the most when it comes to sleep is how you feel during the day. Sure. Uh, and, So, you know, there's some interesting data out there looking at how our sleep impacts our hormones. So our hunger hormones, for example, Um, but what we know, but there's still a lot of, a lot of learning that we need to get there when it comes to the actual research literature. Um, But what we know for sure is that when it comes to behavioral impact, Mm -hmm. when you sleep, when your sleep is poorer or when you feel lethargic, uh, you know, you're tired, et cetera. Um, you are less likely to move. You're less likely to work out, to exercise. You're more likely to turn to foods, uh, that maybe you wouldn't typically turn to because your decision-making is just in a different spot. Um, you know, you, if you're hungry, you want food now versus being a little more planful about it, that kind Mm. of thing. So there's, there's likely some hormonal impacts and there's certainly some uh, behavioral impacts when it comes to Mm. sort of being fed through your energy, your fatigue, your concentration, those kinds Mm -hmm. of factors. Oh, for sure. And you mentioned that there's many factors, but also this idea that there's a personalization to this entire journey. And this is just one area of our life, Mm -hmm. you know, weight management, food journey, whatever you want to call it. And then sleep and all these things have a part of it. So this, this idea of awareness or maybe attention, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned attention earlier that when you pay attention, you are what you focus on. I've always said that. And you know that better than I do because focus is just like how you gain clarity, you know, and how you can really lean into certain things that you know are going to benefit you. So more on benefit really quickly when it comes to someone that's wanting to make really positive changes. They want to look good to feel good. They want to just feel good and maybe stay at the same physique. It doesn't even matter. They just want to feel good and clean and, you know, and then clear in the head. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the reverse of what I just asked you, when you think of food and how it affects the brain or, you know, what you're putting in your body and how that affects your, you know, focus and clarity, if you could speak to that for a moment. Yeah. Again, it's, this is where I would say experiment to learn how the, the way that you eat both the types of foods that you eat and also things like when you eat, um, Mm. the amount that you eat, that sort of stuff, pay attention to how it impacts you. Um, there's, you know, you can find lots of stuff out there, eat this food and get better mental clarity, (laughs) medicate or take this pill or supplement and get better concentration. Um, 
And, you know, what really matters is what, like what works for you essentially. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that could be some placebo. You know, I'm convinced that every time I have a cup of coffee in the morning, it's making me more alert. But if, if, you know, if I got decaf coffee or the second cup was decaf, I still might feel more alert if I didn't know it was decaf, you know? Um, so it's, uh, you know, the, the important part, if you are starting to experiment with things like that is to really pay attention or to try to keep other things constant. So, you know, try to keep your sleep constant and then notice what happens with, uh, you know, when you change up your food routines, um, try to keep your exercise constant and notice what changes if you make, or notice what the differences that happen if you make changes to your sleep routines, uh, Mm. just to really learn about yourself to your earlier point about awareness and connection. Um, because so often, I don't know, we make a lot of assumptions about ourselves or assumptions (laughs) about how things need to be. And sometimes we got to look at the data of our own lives to, to help us really, um, know what, what's working, what's not working. That's right. And, And do you think, have you found, um, yeah, I mean, have you found that patients and people that you work with, friends of yours, families, you know, family in your life, are people avoiding, you know, trying to find the data of their own life in some respect and for any reason, you know, insert mm-hmm. X traumatic experience or generational traumatic experience here? Like, you know, like are people avoiding trying to, you know, come to terms almost with like their journey with food and how they want to control their weight and their behavior? Or is it more of just... Um, instead of avoidance, maybe it's a little bit of just lack of knowledge and awareness. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know that I would say I've seen people like intentionally try to avoid it. Mm. I think it's more about, I think what I see more often is, is that we typically have sort of stories in our head about why things are the way they are. <laughs> and those are really compelling. They're very believable because we have thought them perhaps our whole lives. Um, you know, and so I think that we tend to get stuck there. You know, I'm not the, I'm not a morning person or I'm not the kind of person who, um, you know, who can eat vegetables or I, you know, I don't like vegetables. I, Mm. whatever, whatever the story might be, those are some pretty simple examples there, but, um, you know, there's no way I could stop, uh, ever stop binge eating or, um, Mm -hmm. insert anything else. And I think that those tend to be some of the strongest, most powerful, um, uh, things that impact ultimately in the long run, our behavior and what we're sort of willing to try. Mm. Another big one is this idea that, you know, if I was just more motivated or if I wanted it more, then I would do the thing. And sure. one of the biggest, uh, problems. Cause it's, it's uh, very rarely the case. I would wonder too, if, if you're not motivated to do something, you're not going to to take any steps towards it, yeah. you know, and we'll talk here routines in a sec as to like getting started, of course, mm-hmm. uh, with the title of the show, uh, but you think of habits and routines that re- as it relates to just getting those goals achieved or to take some step forward into a healthier life. And you're right. Maybe some of it's just this subconscious brain telling you, I just don't feel like doing it that mm-hmm. way. You know, um, just a quick follow-up as it relates to, um, uh, you know, like getting on the horse, as they say, um, when people don't feel that motivation, do you feel like it's related to just not thinking about the long-term goals or like thinking about long-term really life? So I, yeah, I mean, what we need to get clear about is the difference between like motivation as it 
as it's sort of how you described it. Like, mm. you know, I am motivated to take an action, meaning like there's something that's kind of impelling me to take an action um, versus what I often hear people say about motivation, which is, you know, I have, all right, there's something I want to do, right? I want to save money or I want to lose weight or I want to sure. eat differently. I want to exercise and I'm not doing it. So maybe I'm not motivated enough. That story, um, that is the, a problematic story because mm. there, there's this sort of sense that if I was only motivated enough, if I wanted it enough, um, you know, this shouldn't, this isn't that hard. So why am I not doing it? And then interpreting that as being, oh, because I, you know, I must not want it enough or I'm not motivated enough sure. gets in the way of actually making changes. Um, and that is really fun to sort of explore with people I'd say. Uh, to challenge that and to, to kind of prove that wrong. Mm. Um, whereas on the other hand, there's lots of things that we're truly not motivated to do. So like, sure. I'm not motivated to become an accountant. I'm not motivated <laughs> to like, uh, there's lots of places I don't want to visit and, yeah, you know, and, so, of course. and there's all this I do want to visit. And so thinking about, uh, yeah, it, it's important that we figure out anytime. I think anytime we're talking about motivation, we have to make sure that we're like all talking about the same thing. Cause we, we can use that word pretty differently. Oh yeah. May we talk about noise for a moment and then we will get into routines. I just, I, your pro tips on what this could look like for someone's health journey. If you're listening and we don't go into commercial, then you're in for a treat. Cause we're going to go right into it here in a second. But I want to ask you about, um, noise. And, and what I mean by noise is that when someone is looking at their health journey or they are finally hitting a point where they're like, you know what? I don't feel that great eating that donut or, you know what? Coffee actually makes me jittery and I'm over it, you know, and they want to make these changes, but then see that that person's drinking coffee or this person is inviting me to dinner every week. I'm on, oh, we're going to go to the Super Bowl party and I want those nachos yet. You just don't, yeah. you know, and, and so noise as it relates to, mm. um, as it relates to what's the word I'm looking for, hold on, uh, self-control, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and have you ever had a conversation with anyone or even just your, your candid thoughts really yeah. on just avoid, like learning to get away from the distractions maybe, or, mm -hmm. or avoiding the noise or learning, canceling out the noise. Like we do in headphones on AirPods. Like yes. how do you practice that so that you don't really have to fight with yourself too much to, to stay on a healthy track? I, yeah, I love that question. And I, I think it's a, it's, you're describing what I often think about as just this slippery slope. Like as soon as the noise comes in or the attention gets directed toward that thing, whatever it is. So if it's the coffee or the food or the cigarette or the alcohol or whatever it might be, um, all of a sudden the door opens a little bit, right? There's like the conversation starts in your yeah. head. Like, will I have it? Won't I have it? I want it. How does it look? Uh, oh, that looks really good. And all of a sudden the tension starts to focus on that particular thing mm. when that happened without our permission, right? The noise came in without our permission where it came in within our environment. It came in because somebody next to us ordered it or whatever it might be. Yeah. And, you know, in that kind of situation, um, when that happens, the sooner you can sort of shut down the noise or put those headphones on, 
the better, like the quicker mm. you can disengage, uh, the better. So that can look like, all right, there's noise. Let me literally move my body someplace else. If, if possible, um, let me turn my, you know, I often will talk to people that will say, Oh, I'm in the line at the grocery store. And, you know, the candy is sort of calling my name as I'm sitting there waiting in line. That's right. Um, <laughs> something as simple as turning your back to the candy yeah. is, Look, it's not a it's not a panacea. It's not always going to work, um, but it is the kind of thing that if you get into the habit of doing that, all right. When I'm in the line at the grocery store, I pick up a magazine. Yes, those are still things. Yeah. Turn my back to the food, and that gives me a chance to just sort of protect myself from that noise because uh -huh. I know that this is a place where that where that can happen. So, noise we can think about from two ways. One is how can we avoid it. And, you know, in our home environments, in our work environments, sure. there's always something, That's some right. things within our control that can help us like turn the volume down. But then there's lots of times that we're out in the wild and we it. don't have control. And so the approach there is different. So per, mm -hmm. kind of like trying to avoid it versus what do I do in the moment when it's there? Yeah. Two, two different, two different approaches. I love that you did that with this example. And then previously too, there's always several ways to look at situations. And I think the smarter you, like we will gain a lot of, of um, just like smart nuggets, trying to think about these things from different perspectives and staying right. open to that. Um, especially, I mean, listen on this podcast specifically, doctor, I've always thought of to myself, like there are going to be many opinions. And that's why I love talking about noise and distractions because that ultimately gets you to a more disciplined. I think discipline creates confidence first and foremost, but discipline in not only uh, weight management and, and your your journey with food, this now gets into our next part of the conversation, which is just how does discipline really impact your health mentally, physically, with food, mm -hmm. without food? Have you found that to be a thing where the more disciplined folks are, it just seems like things are really working for them? Mm-hmm. Um I think it can go in a couple ways. Um, you know, sometimes we can certainly see one end in discipline that ends up being really rigid, um, you know, overtraining, overdoing, over, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, whether it's eating healthy foods, exercising, uh, working, whatever it might be, can go overboard. Mm. Um, and then of course, not having sort of any structure or framework or routines around you. Uh, uh, leave us in a position where we actually tend to flail a little bit. We tend to get stuck. We tend to, um, honestly, we tend to stay wherever it is that we are. Mm. Um, and, you know, so I, I actually really lo love the concept of routines as a, as a supporter of discipline, if you will, or a supporter of uh, like giving you a framework for helping you throughout the day or your week, um, because the structure and, and that when I think of discipline, I think of structure, the That's structure right. that yeah. routines provide, um, give us this opportunity to, um, to relax sort of our need to make a decision <laughs> to relax the need or, or relax the need to, um, yeah, to, to often to make a choice because there's That's already, right. you know, there's something it, there's, something in place already. It's so true. And I was going to ask you previously, if you were a minimalist, especially mm. as a clinical psychologist, uh, you know, it's, I'm not, um, I mean, 
I, I'm probably more minimalist than than many others, but well, my husband would totally disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very hard time getting rid of things that are really sentimental to me. Sure. Um, but I do find that I like many people when I, the, the more minimalist that the more I lean into minimalism, getting rid of things, reducing sure. the need to make decisions, whether that has to do with what you're wearing or what you're eating, That's right. um, it feels better. And what's, what's interesting is that in so many, at so many points of my life and in lives of my patients, people that I've talked to. Um, I I've, I've heard myself say, and I've heard other people say, oh, well routines or, or minimalism or whatever it might be reducing decision-making that sounds rigid. That sounds sure. like there's no room for spontaneity and you know, it, it shouldn't be that hard. I should just be able to make the right decision for myself without having to have a schedule or sure. a routine yeah. in place. And, um, I'm not sure I've ever actually found that when someone does implement a routine or a structure that that's actually how it feels. It usually mm. ends up feeling freeing because that's right. the decisions, you know, the decisions making isn't there yet. And, and if you, if you set up routines in ways that are intentional and that means something to you, it also by default means that you are going to be doing something that matters to you. This episode of the routine project podcast is sponsored by masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to cook like an all-star with Gordon Ramsay, improve your vocal and singing skills with Christina Aguilera, or even learn some tennis with Serena Williams. With over 2,500 classes that range from world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. I first began taking Masterclass last year when I was trying to get ahead of my interviewing skills with Coach Robin Roberts and her class, and then I just found myself super curious to see what the other courses would be like, uh, and that included cooking, sales and persuasion, and even music with John Legend. Masterclass is accessible on your phone, web, or smart TV, offering classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the top of their fields. Each class is broken up into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes or so, and members can explore at their own pace, and each class is supported by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, and so much more. You get everything with Masterclass. What's really cool is the content is so high quality, you feel like you're sitting in an actual class with them, and you can do this on an iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and even Roku. Back to the class I was taking with Robin Roberts, I remember it was like, of course, only 10 minutes long, but when you start learning and you're taking your own notes and then you find that they even give you materials with Masterclass, it's like you, you literally are going through your own version of grad school at your own time, at your own pace, and it's one of the best things I've ever done for myself. I highly recommend you check it out for whatever you're interested in learning more about, and you can get unlimited access every single class, and as a Routine Project podcast listener, you get 15% off your annual membership. Go to masterclass.com forward slash routine project. That's masterclass.com forward slash routine project for 15% off masterclass. That's right. And that is essentially brings a peace of mind. That was my word for the year. I was like, peace, you know, and if you're, if you're tuning into this, it's like, peace is everything, you know, uh, a peace and health, really. Right. Um, something I learned on this podcast that I'll share with you and anybody listening is that when you time block with intention, integrity, and love, you will not be making time for anything else other than what you'd said, what is serving you, 
or people or things you care about. It doesn't always have to be that you're time blocking three hours of your day to go to the gym for you. Maybe, listen, maybe while you're at the gym, you're walking on the treadmill at an incline uh, for 30 minutes so that you can text your friends and tell them you love them. You know, something like that. So I just thought I would share that because there is something where it goes back to my first question with you, which is like this idea that the brain is so powerful and controls everything. And then when you've been through so many experiences, memories, and, and, and to be honest, a lot of F ups, right? Like the things that we mm-hmm. do, especially with you, you like you'd been through all the school and through all this different experiences, still have your own practice, still work at Weight Watchers. There's a lot happening where you've been able to probably identify. And I'm going to ask you this, um, mm-hmm have you been able to identify that the more that you've done and experienced and been able to collect in your, your own, you know, mental toolbox per se, that's when you can then discover what uh, the benefits of like minimalism and, and keeping things simple and avoiding decision fatigue. Is it until that point that you can feel like you can, can, can justify what you said, which is almost feeling at peace with this uh, routine or structure? Yeah. I, I mean, gosh, reflecting on, you know, on your own life, when is it that, that things went, were going really, really well. And how, you know, how do you define that? Well, I was feeling good. I was, you know, feeling for me, it's, you know, feeling connected to other people, feeling passionate about what I do day to day, or at least, you know, really valuing it, um, taking care of my health, you know, when in my life were those things happening and what was going on during those times, um, those kinds of reflections and you can almost build this little tool. I don't want to say toolkit, but you can build, uh, for now, let's say toolkit for yourself. <laughs> I'm losing words here. Yeah, um, where it's, where you learn, you have these lessons. All right. I am somebody who, so for example, you know, I am somebody who really likes being active with other people. All right. Well, if I'm in a situation where COVID happens or I move to a new city and I don't have a, um, a network or I can't be around people that is going to become a problem for me. So what am I going to do in that particular situation? Is that a time then to say, all right, that's just not going to be what I focus on for now. Cause it's not working. Or do I want to figure out another way to make it work? Mm. And so looking at that data, you know, from throughout your life and really paying attention to when, when things have been, you know, at times when you've been feeling really, really good, what was going on and, and how can you continue to learn? Because that's going to change over the course of your life. Um, your, your life is going to change. Your relationships are going to change where you live is going to change, but you can, uh, there's a lot about yourself that will stay the same, including, you know, a lot of personality, your tendencies, and those things are important to know. You're so right. That, that, introspection, right? I I guess, or lack of a better term is, is going to get you to where it all began per se, which I love. Like as much as this is an entrepreneur business focused podcast, Mm -hmm. it's like these elements of your life will add to your personal and professional life, relationships, everything. And I love that you bring up this concept that when you do look back at the things that make you who you are, and make you feel good, make you feel whole and connected and loved and reassured that your life is working, it is such a mental, um, gosh, I don't even know how to say this. It just makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Like the dopamine hits and then you have like memories. And so for example, um, what would you say genre of music? <laughs> this is so random genre of music that you feel like you'll turn on at any given day. Um, if it makes you feel like 
it takes you back to the good old days per se, or it reminds you of memories that you've had in like your childhood that, you know what I mean? And then I'll give you mine and I'll tell you why I asked you. Love it. It's such a great question. That's really easy. Uh, especially in the last couple of months, nineties uh, country. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you're listening, I'll turn on the volume and, and post. I think I just screamed in everyone's <laughs> ear. Yes. Country music. So mine is probably like pop country, obviously like yeah. just the, you know, where we grew up, but yeah, yes, I was listening to national music and there is something about music. I think when you're in any, they always say like, it's definitely a universal love language. I also think it's universally life changing mm-hmm. in the sense that when you're tuning into something or you're just going on a walk or you're sitting at, you know, in your, in your bedroom, just kind of like la di da di da, you turn on something that reminds you of certain parts of your life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'll be honest. And I want your thoughts on this when it comes to like listening to 90s country, for instance, it's not always going to be to just go back in time. Cause they do say that like looking backwards too much causes slight depression. Right. Mm -hmm. But where have you found it to benefit you and what moments are you really thinking about? I just want to give people an idea here. Yeah, sure. So, you know, music is such a powerful one, but it's it, what it does is it gives you a mood lift. So where, no matter where it's coming from, it gives you this mood lift. And when, when our mood is, is higher, it's more elevated. We are more open. We're more expansive. We are more creative. We are funnier. We are more interesting. And, and music certainly isn't the only thing that can do that, but it's a really powerful one. Mm. Um, and so even if it's not about, you know, sure, you might have, you might hear a certain song and think about a certain person or a time in your life. But there's also this this sense just in that particular moment that right now this feels really good, um, and this is something I talk to patients about a lot. I, I talk about it at Weight Watchers a lot when we're training our coaches. Um, you know, when we're when we're thinking about designing experiences, it's like, all right, when you are in a particular sort of mood state, or there's something going on that you wish was a little different. What are things that you can do? And it, and it needs to be things that work for you. It should not be something that you, you know, that works for somebody else. What are things that you can do like listening to music, Mm. like stepping outside, like giving somebody a phone call that in the moment change the way that you're feeling, you know, as a psychologist, I know a lot about, and I've been trained a lot about the, you know, the way that your thoughts sort of impact your feelings and the way that those things impact what you do. But there's also the, uh, it, it happens in the other direction as well. So what you do mm. and what you experience impacts how you think and it impacts how you feel. And so it's turning on music, dancing, whatever it might be, moving from what you were doing before to what you're doing now will change how you're feeling and how you're thinking. Super, super powerful. Mm. Wow. So, and and if you're listening, you're probably thinking the same question, which is, so what do you do with the two? When do you use the two? How do we use the two? You know, like, I think you're right. You click play and you listen to the song and it makes you feel good, right? It's so long that you know what music makes you feel good. Hopefully it's country for everyone, but not everybody likes country music. You know, it's it's like getting with your friend in the car and and they have the aux cord and you're like, gosh, what are they going to play? And if it's not what you like, it's like, there's definitely, you know, but is it a timing thing? Are you supposed to trust your gut on that when it mm-hmm. comes to just um, uh, almost like you had said, choosing to do something to then better your mood uh, and, and your state of mind or the reverse of it? It's um, this is where I think experimenting again sort of really gets really comes in. Um, mm-hmm. What I have found is that uh, personally, 
when, when we're, when mood, when your mood is lower, it's, it's very hard. And whether that, let's just not say mood, it could be, you know, your energy is low, you're, sure. you're, you're tired, whatever it might be. It's hard to convince yourself sort of cognitively that things are different than whatever it is that you're thinking in that moment when your mood is low or when you're tired. So if you're struggling with something that you're doing at work and, um, you know, you're, um, I'm never going to get this done. Um, I'm, you know, like my boss is going to hate this, whatever it might be. It's hard to convince yourself in that moment that just by using your brain power, that those things aren't true. Hmm. If you step outside or you turn on a song, something is going to change about your mood and your appraisal of that situation is likely to change. Now, on the flip side, um, you know, there is a lot of evidence to suggest that the more we can notice the types of thoughts that we have that limit us, that sort of get in our way, um, you know, I, I can't get this done. What's wrong with me? I really screwed this up. The more we can start to notice those types of thoughts quickly um, will likely help us challenge them more to reframe them to kind of focus on, all right, where am I actually trying to get to? What is the step I can take? And we can therefore sort of like shut those thoughts down a little more quickly, in which case the mood probably is less likely to get low. So it's, 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 you know, it's not one or the other. It's, I think Mm. it's definitely both. Um, and, uh, I always say it's easier to start with behaviors than it is to start with your thinking because paying attention to your thinking and your thought it's, it's, it's like thinking about your thinking. It's, it's heady. Okay. <laughs> this is so insane. I was watching her talk y'all. And I go, my next question is how do you, how do you try not to overthink overthinking exactly what you just said, thinking right. about your thoughts and what you're thinking about. Right. What is that? Is that like a game of the mind? You're right. I love anybody listening. Take note behaviors first thoughts second, like, right. right? right. Yeah. Do something different first. I think that's the easy, like the start there one small step. And, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, you take one step and then you're likely going to take another one. And then some momentum is going to develop and you don't exactly know what that's going to look like, but it will look different than whatever right now looks like. Um, and so, you know, leaning on the behavior, leaning on action as a first step is going to get you somewhere. That's 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 great. That's insane because, and and then I'll move on because I have a quote that I'm going to share with everyone that's on your Instagram bio that I'm obsessed with. And I can't tell you guys yet. You have to wait for it. It's good. There is something to be said about anxiety that's usually provoked when you are sitting in your head. I'll be honest. And and you you know this better than I do, which is why I bring it up. There's is there a correlation there where if you're in your head a little too much, it I've seen it and from personal experience, not to get per, too personal, but like if I'm in my head, I my anxiety spikes over anything as opposed to just doing going at it. You know what I mean? And like, maybe there's a nice block of time to my point earlier about time blocking. Maybe you do take 30 minutes to like wander your mind a day, but that's the only time you're giving yourself to just let your brain flow. Cause otherwise it becomes a distraction, you know, just to like think, think while you're doing. And it can also feel productive and it's not or at least often it's not most of the time it's not. And, but we can spend so much time thinking about our thinking that it feels like we're working, like we're, you know, we're putting effort in and, and we can convince ourselves that, yeah, I just got a lot of thinking done. And well, has that, you know, but has anything, has anything changed? Um, there's, there's, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, 
all right, when I'm really getting in my own head, that's a good time to look outward. Who can I call and see how they're doing? Who can I go online? Uh, you know, at Weight Watchers, we have a, a social network called Connect. Yeah. How about if I went on there and saw if there's someone out there who's like asking for some tips, how can I help somebody else get out of my own head? And that's, that's a behavior that's, you know, that's doing something different than, than sitting in the thinking. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to, to completely suggest that there's, there's no use, there's nothing helpful about, you know, examining our thoughts sure. I, I, and there absolutely is and paying attention to patterns um, understanding, you know, why we do the things that we do can be really helpful. Sure. Um, it can reduce some self-blame. It can help us recognize <clears throat> that there's opportunities to like make changes, but really the magic is in the action. And we'll leave that thought there. Yeah. We didn't go into a commercial break probably at this point. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I always joke around it. Cause I really just, you know how it goes. Podcasting is so interesting these days with the with who we're going to be like, hey, by the way, you're listening. No. Right. So Dr. Grufsky, I found this on your Instagram and I'm so glad that I did, but I, I had read your you know your title and, and I was like, oh my gosh, can't wait to follow you and watch all the stories if you post. But something I noticed was just like you had, you'd written on there that I, and so I'm going to read it. Leading with curiosity and acceptance over answers and judgment. If mm. you could please break that down. It was one of the most eloquently written things I'd read in someone's bio in years because everything else is just work at this company or follow my blink tree and, and all these things. And it's like a sell. And when I yeah. went to your page, the reason I want to follow you and, and be friends with you on Instagram is because of this liner. And I mm. have a feeling that what you do professionally, let alone lately with Weight Watchers and being the head of behavioral change, behavior change, this had to have come recently or has this been a slogan that you've always had and then just break it down for us. I love it. Yeah. The um, curiosity and acceptance to me are two of the most powerful words. Um, and whenever I am having any kind of a struggle, if I remind myself that curiosity and acceptance are always sort of sitting there waiting for me to remember that that's where I need to go, um, something changes. And so, you know, we are so uh, driven to find the answers, um, to, to judge whatever it is that's in front of us and to decide if it's right or wrong. And so often what is, that actually ends up getting us into this loop of like, uh, well, you could do it this way, you could do it that way. No, that's no good. And, you know, when I'm working with coaches at, at Weight Watchers, I will often ask, uh, especially if I'm interviewing somebody, I will often say, hey, let me give you a scenario. And I'm curious where your head goes. And I, so I might give a scenario like, you know, one of your members comes home at night, tells you that they come home at night and they're, they're stressed from work. They make their dinner, the kids go to bed and then they, um, they snack. And they snack and they keep eating and they're not hungry anymore. And they really want to stop this behavior. How do you think about that? What would you ask them? And the thing that I'm listening for is that the coach would be getting very curious. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. What happens on days where you don't do that? Mm -hmm. um, what, you know, what tends to, what's going through your mind at the time when, when that's going on? Um, 
what I will hear sometimes is questions and curiosity that is, I'm sorry, um, what I will hear sometimes is answers that are masked as questions. Well, did you eat lunch? Well, did you have protein for dinner? Well, did you, you know, and we start trying to come up with like what the solution is. Mm. And in doing that, we are demonstrating that we already have in our brain what, you know, what the problem is, what the answer is, and we want to move on to the next thing. If we just get curious and we, we ask questions like, huh, that's really interesting. Like, tell me more about that. What happened? What's different when it doesn't happen or, Hey, what if that continued to happen for, for the next year or so? Um, how would that feel? That's sort of moving in a little bit to acceptance. Like what if we, what if we just said that that is going to happen, that you're going to snack at night? What might be different? Do you want to, do you want to approach the way you snack a little bit differently? The, the concept of acceptance is one of saying, all right, we don't have, we don't, we can't necessarily turn the dial up or down on absolutely everything in our lives. And sometimes the fight itself, like, oh, I shouldn't mm. do this, or I should do this ends up being a bigger problem than whatever it is that we were trying to do. So what if we just said, Hey, this is how it is. Yeah. And maybe aspects of this aren't going to change. Are there pieces of it that does, a, does that change the way I feel about it? Um, can I be gentler with myself? Can I, uh, you know, maybe get, start getting creative about how I want to think about it or something small that I might want to do differently, or, you know, is it something I can say, you know, I'm not going to focus on that right now. I'm going to focus on something else because you know, this is just, that's how it is right now. And and there's something else I can probably do. So Mm -hmm. curiosity and acceptance over judgment and answers. That's what it says. Right. Um, I think it just, it makes for a much more rich understanding of other people, of ourselves. And it does, it opens up our our brain to different solutions, to being creative. And it's just, it's a kinder way to be with ourselves. Mm. I love that. That's how you ended that thought. It is a very kind way. It's funny how, and I don't know where everybody who's listening is with your thoughts on connecting with people, but a lot of what she has said, if you're listening, you it's maybe it's because we're listening to you. They just make sense. Uh, but I'm finding that a lot of what you're saying, even like your final piece of thought um, is be, being kind with yourself, right? It's a kinder way to be with yourself. Yeah. I was just thinking, okay, well, kindness, but this is the third time it's happened in our interview. And I'm just so grateful. You made me so proud to host this. And like, there is so much more we can like keep talking about. And, and I want you to come back. I want you to be on our other podcast called Luminosity. It is a mental health specific show. I'm really, really, really excited to bring you there. Um, and we'll we'll hit on heavier topics and bigger topics. And I don't know, I only have so much time with you. Uh, and we've covered so much, right? The personalization of like your mental health journey as it relates to food and your weight management and your experiences. And you've given so many samplers and, and I think it's so, so helpful. But then we talked music and, you know, being <laughs> present, how that even happens based on your psychology and your patterns and your behavior, um, experimenting with all of it. And I think like you had said to end even here on leading with curiosity and and acceptance, right. Over answers and judgment, uh, is exactly how all of what you've said come. It's what it comes down to. And I could not have asked a more leading question to like conclude a podcast in a better way, because what happens is I don't know if you can have a better mood by experimenting with your behaviors and challenging your thoughts in this way and getting out of your head and, and acting rather than thinking, unless you would, like you had said, taking those words very seriously, curiosity and acceptance and just move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I have one more question for you, Dr. Grupsey. Yes. If there was 
a way that you feel like routines and habits have really impacted your way in a positive, uh, sorry, impacted your life in a positive way that has made you proud to know that routine and structure to your point earlier, it just works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because I only imagine the listener who's a little frazzled today and really thinking to themselves, oh my God, I got to write that or, you know, just someone who's overwhelmed, you know, so speak to them for a moment and myself really uh, about where you found routine, almost peace with your routine and structure in your life Mm -hmm. thus far. I have found peace in knowing that the environment that we're in and sort of what we're like truly the like the the nature of our lived environment day to day has such an impact on what we do that we need to lean into that as much as humanly possible um you know when i moved from chicago to washington dc I noticed after a couple of months that I wasn't connecting with friends nearly as much as I used to. And I realized it was because I used to make my phone calls when I was driving to work and I wasn't driving to work anymore. I was taking the train and there's no reception there. It, you know, I thought of myself as someone who was a huge connector and all of a sudden that was dropping off. I know I find peace in the fact that I actually can't entirely rely on what it is that I want to do. I have to make sure that my environment is set up in a way that's going to support that. And uh, the most recent example for me, a proof to that is about six weeks ago, I got a dog. Mm. And what a difference in stepping outside every day, in greeting neighbors, seeing people on the street. Mm. Um, So I often just say, all right, if I'm in, if I'm struggling, if I'm stuck, if, if, you know, what can I do in my environment or how can I adjust my, my, my schedule, my my environment in a way that is going to allow me to do something that I know is going to improve my health, make me feel better, help me feel more like myself. Mm. How can I lean on my environment to help me do that? That's right. And then to support what you just said was something you said earlier, which is just like going inward a little bit to find out what made you feel that way. What, what kind of gave you happiness, peace, all the good things. You know what I mean? I think that thus far I've learned that there's no, there's nothing wrong with talking about everything we've talked about. You know what I mean? And there's nothing taboo anymore. I think people are looking for peace and happiness and stillness and, and a level of comfort, like you had said with their environments, because we are products of our environment. And if anything, on this episode today, we've kind of learned that as human beings, uh, we should also try to find the balance between being and doing right. People say, Oh, we're all human doings. But at the end of the day, we, we can't sit there with our thoughts either, you know, because then we can't get better weight management. And then we can't start making, you know, all these intentional phone calls to our friends and a different mm-hmm. commute pattern. Like there are ways where I think that you've really added so much value to people who are maybe on their way to work. All right. You know, right now, or maybe they're thinking to themselves, okay, well, I need a vacation. What am I doing on that vacation that I can come back and realize what's happened. And so if you're listening, thank you, Dr. Grupsy, thank you uh, for everything that you've said. Thank <laughs> you, Justin. It's been a pleasure. You are so thoughtful and 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 you're thought provoking in what you say. I know it's helping people. Um, 
this is such an incredible podcast to at least bring folks like you on. And at the very least, if you clicked play uh, and you have 700 other podcasts in your chart bucket, uh, thank you for joining us and listening in. Uh, I love doing this, especially with people who are as, as, as wise giving uh, and, and knowledgeable and experienced as Dr. Grupski. And uh, we'll definitely catch you on the next episode, wherever we find it. Uh, and so in the meantime, you're going to find everything that she's up to. You're going to find her Instagram. You know what I'm going to put is the is your quote and your Instagram at the very top of our descriptor on this episode uh, here on the Routine Project podcast. So thank you again. This was an incredible conversation and I hope thanks it was for helpful. Having for me. And thanks for doing this. What a gift that you are giving. So thank you so much. It's Justin again, and that concludes today's episode. I hope you learned something new or exciting about routines or at least took something away from the guest I had on the show. Now I've got plenty more episodes coming up on this podcast, so be sure to click that follow button wherever you're listening. Oh, and you know how it goes. The show only gets better when I hear from you. So drop a rating and review and let me know what you loved and maybe what we can do better on this podcast to keep you coming back each week. Now, until I get that next episode to you, start building the routines that matter most to you and inspire others to do the same. 